We're just gonna go slow. We're gonna let go and let God. I'm trying to make the audio sound good too. Today, we're gonna be talking about the purpose in your pain. Today, we're gonna be talking about the pressure that God turns into purpose. Today we're going to talk about the paralyzed praise. We're going to talk about how God has a unique way of turning our pain into beauty and purpose. It just hit me right now. One of the most barren places before Jesus arrived was his grave. The garden tomb. The the unique word tomb is mostly used to describe a resting place for the dead. A resting place for the dead. Something absence of life. A garden is something that is filled with life and air and breath. The breath of God. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is there. Yet Jesus, after he was in the tomb and came out and rose so you could have eternal life, the area is now one of the most beautiful gardens in the world. It was a desert. It was a desert tomb, and now it's a garden tomb. It was a dead tomb, and now it's a garden tomb. We're going to transform your pain into purpose. Today, on Living in the Overflow. Welcome to Living in the Overflow with your host, Jameer Waters. Today, we're just going to hop into it. We're going to hop into it. The term paralyzed means the loss of the ability to move. I believe um, that many believers have developed a paralysis of faith and diminishing what they believe God's worth is by walking in darkness and getting hit by the arrows and the tricks of the enemy and blaming blaming it on God lighting the path 
that God set for you is a staple of faith, but it's not a cane. If I just trust in the path and not the light, I will never walk in faith. The point is, trust in the light and not the path the light gives you. Faith only works if you do. Don't. If you don't trust in God, you will walk in darkness without a guide. The crazy thing is people have a problem in trusting in God, though. A God who understands. A God who knows. A God a God who's there. He understands what the dark is like is like. He understands what the dark is like. A God who knows what the fire is like. When it doesn't feel like God is there. He is. Sometimes he walks you into those troubles. Into the fire to purify you. Gold is purified by the fire. That fact is true according to the Miller process. Where gold is is purified gold is already 90 99.5% pure but when you refine it it is 99% pure my purpose in saying this is that your gold is about to be more pure than gold Your gold is about to be more pure than gold. According to 1 Peter 1.3, faith should be refined in the fire and will result, result in praise and glory. Faith is the key to what we're going to call Powerful praise. Powerful praise in the storm. Praise that breaks chains. Praise that has no proof in being possible, but is sorely on faith. David had a slingshot and a stone, but the faith that he was stronger. He was the strongest one. The faith. That David didn't even consider losing the battle. His God had already won the war. He was so bold in his faith when approaching Goliath. He said, Who dares come against my God? God Almighty. God of the Israelites' army. What if we had a posture of praise like David? A posture of faith like David. 
David wasn't just a fighter. He was a worshiper in the fire. During the reign of David as king, he was put in charge of bringing the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, back to, I believe, Israel. In this journey, there were multiple people and his troops guiding him through to find the Ark. While finding the Ark and moving the Ark, because it held the holy presence of God so powerful that if you touched it you would surely die something that set apart and holy to have that presence of God when they were traveling with the ark the the troops who were carrying the ark slipped and one of the men touched the ark and died but David pushed on and David still succeeded to bring the presence of God back he pray, he praised God so wildly and faith driven and sporadic and some would say what's the word crazy based on his crazy faith I might say that his own wife told him to stop like I praise pretty wildly and people have told me to stop and I ain't married yet but if my wife told me to stop it probably hit me different I would probably still praise the same but it would change my mindset which brings me to my first point powerful praise isn't the popular praise I've been a worshiper my whole life and it's not popular sadly most of my life I have been the only one worshiping deeply at the altar I aim to make one second. I aim to make my praise so poetic in God's eyes. Not yours. Not the ones around me. I don't care what you think about my praise. I know what he's worth. I know that in the middle of the night when I'm having a random anxiety attack and everyone's asleep I can call on him in the middle of the night 
I can call on him to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I can call on him when everyone else doubts me. When I can place all my bettings on another god and lose and he still welcome me welcome me with open arms that's the god I serve that's why I worship him the way I do even though everyone most let me say this mostly everyone that has seen my worship has um complimented highly on it which truly makes my soul's joy overflow but that's not that's not the reason I do it I do it all for his glory my worship is my soul's inner cry for God and it can never and will never start When you walk in the room. Some people are like, oh, the pastor's walking in. Let's let's start let's start lifting our hands. Let's start praising him so he thinks highly of me. I will go to the altar before the music starts. The music doesn't start the worship. The music that I'm sorry guys, I'm not in the best condition so I don't sound right or feel right but this has to be out there it doesn't start when I walk in the room it starts before I'm in the room but strangely it never starts when God walks in the room Hey, I know that's when I'm going to get some, hey, oh, aren't you just trying to get God's presence in the room? Do you hear yourself? I'm trying to get his presence in the room. That's why it's called a sacrificial praise, because he's not there yet. You can't take a lamb to the priest for it to be sacrificed and lay it at the altar as dead but it not be dead it wouldn't be a sacrifice because you haven't killed it yet I kill my pride when I walk up on the altar because I I kill what other people think about me I put my eyes on him I put my eyes on putting him in the room. That's how David's praise started. He knew what it took at first. He knew God would win the battle when he wasn't king. When he was just a scrawny little shepherd. God knew his plan and he knew that God had a plan for him. (laughs) 
to David his presence back and and knowing what he sacrificed that's what started his level of praise now most people say I can't worship God I can't worship Jesus on that level because of what I've been through how could God put me through this Jameer I don't understand Jameer I don't understand how such a loving creator could sit there and watch me sick depressed the lowest points of my life and do nothing are you listening to this podcast I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this podcast still has breath in their lungs meaning God isn't finished with you Meaning, your fruit isn't all the way there yet. You just haven't seen it. Keep pushing. Keep worshiping when you can't see it. That's what starts faith. Worship when you can't see it. Worship when you can't see it. Worship when you can't see it. My praise has one goal to get God in the room that's it he'll do the rest I don't have to rely on my self holiness how much I've sacrificed how much he's worth to me once he's in the room the room changes I just got to get him in the room for everybody else. And then Jesus will fix it. Jesus isn't calling you to cure somebody of cancer. He's curing, I mean, he's cueing you to invite him in to cure their cancer. To cure their problem. And I'm not talking about just a physical cancer. This could be a mental cancer. In my opinion, depression and anxiety, depression and anxiety are one of the, are one of the worst cancers mentally. I just got to get him in the room and he'll change everything. I'm testifying, but now I'm speaking it to you. You, I'm putting responsibility on you. You have to get him in the room. You have to sacrifice And praise to get him in the room. Seems simple. It's not. 
if I wanted that, I would have called this message the pretty praise. That's one of my other points. I'll just say it again later, but this ain't pretty praise. Powerful chain breaking praise ain't pretty. It isn't pretty. I've worshipped so hard to get God in the room that tears flowed down my face, sweat dripping down my whole body, heart pumping a million miles an hour, screaming to the point where sometimes I don't have a voice. And some people be like, is he alright? I'm so in love with him that I can't not share him. I'm so in love with those nights when I wake up in the middle of the night and God gives me a revelation. I sit there talking to him and singing worship and praise up to the most high to the point where I can feel. I want you to have that worship where you feel it. You feel his presence, but it I'm tired of that presence where it makes me feel warm and just warm inside. I want a presence of God from my sacrifice to sit within me and marinate his worth to the point where it overflows on everybody without even trying. People come up to me all the time, how are you so happy? How are you so happy? How is your life so amazing? Which it's, it's not all the time, but I'll still give him the glory. Give him the glory and it'll change. Give him the glory. Give him the glory and it'll all change. An example is, I'd say, a few months ago now. I wrote these notes a long time ago. I was preparing for bed. Um, The next morning was Sunday. Which is the greatest opportunity for me to worship at my fullest. Then again, not the only, but at my fullest. When I got a word from God. I'm at a level of faith in God. As soon as he starts talking, I gotta shut up. So I was there in that moment said speak Lord your servant is listening (laughs) and he said take them to a level of my presence 
where it stops everything. And as usual, it's not usual naturally, but for me it is because my level of faith and, and relationship, God, even though it needs improving in some areas, and I had a picture of it. can't put a word on it except for peaceful disorder peaceful disorder began to pray speaking in tongues crying out to God for this moment to happen lost sleep woke up bright and early prayed I actually have the prayer right here wait one second bear with me dear God this was the exact prayer dear God pour out your presence so heavily in this room that every atom is aligned with your presence make it to where the chains must fall off make it to where addictions just fall at the feet of our Savior. Make it to where strongholds, strongholds tear open and the light of God falls on this place like a bomb of your presence, O oh God. Speak, God. come rest on us and in that moment I saw God's hand with a with a sponge full of oil pour into his other hand and I saw little dots of light being his chosen few and he said I'm about to pour out my presence and he squeezed the sponge and filled us with his anointing I said okay let's do this let's do this let's get it going morning comes let's do this we at church let's get into it first song starts on working camera because it's the first service I was like do it for them too I'm not selfish with your presence do it in all the services and don't get me wrong he showed up in that service
he said, I told you 11. I told you 11.30. Come on. Wait on me. I said, I trust you, God. Let's do this. And then worship starts. He said, I said, it's not happening. It's not happening. Because I was just walking around the building waiting for that presence to fall. He said, I was waiting for yours. And it hit me. Like the heaviest weight. I wasn't sacrificing any praise. So I got up. got to the front of the altar and I said there's more and it was like a bomb just went off in me and he said now give it to them and I said how he said worship he said what have you been doing <coughs> your whole life what have people called you to do what have you done? I said, acknowledge your worth. He said, acknowledge my worth till they know how much I truly am worth. And I poured and poured and sweat bursting out and screams crying out actually sobbing crying because I wanted this moment so badly and then pastor walks up on the stage as the atmosphere begins to shift and I looked right at him before he started talking and I said, there's more. The room felt dead silent. And I look around me and I see people walking up to the altar and I see cameramen set down their cameras and I see the drummer so anointed that he's not even playing the drums. And then I see the key, the, the piano player on his knees with his hands raised to the Father, crying out. I see the choir in tears for his presence. It's like, we're here. We're here. You see, his level of presence was already there, but it didn't elevate until I acted. I was so caught up in the word that he gave me that I tried to have others do it for me. And then I pushed through 
and got to that level of worship. That Sunday, shameless plug, was um, the 11.30 service on um, November 14th, I believe, yep. And it was wonderful. You should watch it on Facebook at Christ Temple WV or just Christ Temple Church. And truly was one of the purest experiences of God I had ever seen, felt, got to know. I poured... everything out on that altar and then it hit me like lightning in that moment and I was looking up in the sky looking because I do it in a gesture of knowing that God is above me and I look down and this was the truest vision I've ever saw and I'm in my reality and I look down and I'm not pouring sweat anymore I'm pouring blood and I begin to weep as more blood flows on me and in that moment all I was thinking beforehand was get God's presence in there make this right he's so worthy because he chose you why did he choose me I battled lust inappropriate thoughts my own father left me and I looked down he said, my blood's all over you. He said, my son, my blood's all over you. I couldn't speak in that moment. I was trying to find the right words to convey to God in that moment how thankful I was for this moment for me and everyone else around me but mostly me at that moment. He said, even in all your dirt, even in all my holiness and set apart and me being the lamb, white as snow, and you so dirty, you're covered in my blood. covered in my blood which brings me to my favorite point people think I'm wrapping up I ain't close um your level of sacrificial praise breaks your chains and the chains of others this ain't just for you your sacrifice helps them sacrifice 
Your anointing anoints them. Your praise opens a window for them to praise. I don't know how many people, and it's, it's a compliment. It's just, it's like kind of funny in the same way. People say, your outrageous praise made it to where I could just praise a little bit. And that little bit became more and more. That little bit became more and more. He don't care if you sacrifice something small and build up. That's what progress is. He's a progressive God. He will help you grow. It takes time. And it breaks the chains of others. Because Jesus walked in the room. I can scream until I'm blue in the face. But only God breaks the chains. Only God breaks the chains. Only God makes you walk again. So paralyzed praise isn't bad. It's simply keeping the chains on and walking without faith. If you walk without faith, you'll never move. Which seems like a pretty ironic sentence, seeming that walk means move. like a treadmill you'll just be walking in place you won't go nowhere you'll never move the chains will stay on you the chains hurt you know I know you joke around with your friends you want to hurt yourself and you laugh and giggle it off but in the middle of the night you cry yourself to sleep that is the best place to sow a mustard seed faith in God I don't have the answers I'm hurting these chains hurt and I don't know if you're real take them off if you're real take them off God if you're real in this moment I need you to take them off I don't see you I don't feel you I don't know you yet I don't even know if you're real move Move, God. True worship starts in that place. When you can't feel. When it stinks. 
where it's stinky, where no one wants to be. No one wants to cry themselves to sleep. No one wants to feel sad 24-7. No one wants the feeling of not being able to go on. But the stinky places is where seeds grow. It's just your fertilizer. Your stinky situation, praising God in that situation, getting to know him, him breaking the chains and knowing where you've been helps you grow on a spiritual level so uniquely that you're fertile to those around you. I would not be um, applicable to help young, um, young people if I didn't know the struggles they went through. Yeah, I'll say it. I've known God my whole life. But the last couple years when I've truly got to know him are the best years of my life. But even just knowing when I was younger and just basically knew his name. And was crippled by the chains of my dad leaving me. Notice I say dad. Anyone can be a dad. Not everyone can be a father. Knowing that he didn't want me. But then finding out that the creator of everything. The creator let me say that again. We ain't talking about what you see. God didn't just create Colorado. He created the whole world. He created the whole universe. He created beyond that. He wants me. He wants you. If I can get anything through to you in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your storm, in the middle of lightning bolts hitting you and you don't know how much longer you can go on. He loves you. He loves you. I'm going to say it till you feel it. God loves you God loves you in your pain in your dirt in your filth in your highs in your lows he loves you he died for you yeah you are to die for.
No, 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 no. We I'm going to stay there for a minute. I'm sick and tired of people treating God's love like some candy you found in your grandma's bag. That's just okay. Oh, yes. Jesus loves me. This I know. It's not cute. It's life-changing. He loves you. He loves you so much that in all of his purity... I'm mixing up my notes, but I don't even care. In all of his purity, he came down to earth. To earth. The place that in the beginning of time of Adam and Eve defied him, ate the forbidden fruit, fast forward, served false gods, did horrible things to God. God even delivered them multiple times, and they still turned their back on. He still loves them, though. He still loves you. So we came down. Perfect time. It's Christmas time. This ain't no cute little story anymore. The king of the universe came down to be born in a zero star barn. Like, we're not talking about no bougie barn or some magnificent palace fit for a king. He was born in a feeding trough. When he was coming into town, they didn't have these huge things like from um, Aladdin where they parade him in with singing quartets. It wasn't live streamed or anything. There was palms and he was on a donkey. He wasn't in a Lambo with a million followers. He only had 12. The savior of the world. If Instagram was a thing back then, would probably only have 12 followers, his disciples. Back to being born in a feeding trough. I can't find it. Uh, I get lost in these season notes. A feeding trough. Equivalent. Equivalently nothing. That must make me angry. Nothing. 
You know what a feeding trough does? It feeds calf. It feeds pigs and lambs. And that donkey that your uncle uses to stomp the grain. It holds slop. The scraps that nobody wanted. You may feel like a feeding trough. I ain't nothing. I ain't nothing. Stay with me on this. You are nothing. But then Jesus. You are nothing. But then Jesus. How many sentences can you can you finish and then put a comma for the rest of your story? But Jesus. But Jesus came in. A feeding trough. Your nothing scenario. Nobody wants you. You're eating out the scraps. Wants you. He's in you. Just like he was in that feeding trough. He laid in hay. The prince of peace lies on hay. He didn't need to do that. By any means, I'm pretty sure God could have just... No, I'm not pretty sure. I know. God could just snapped his fingers, made Mary not a teenager anymore because that's kind of controversial. Um, I don't know, came down as another person fully alive and married Mary so it didn't look like she was sleeping with another man as a teenager engaged in the middle of a city crisis as they're taking a census transferring cities to find a barn. He could have been born in a palace with all the right circumstances. But he wanted you. Let me get this straight. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need you. God doesn't need you. He wants you. I'm staying on this for a long time, but there's something here. There's something here for everybody. Don't scroll over it because it doesn't apply to you. Just listen to this because it might help you one day. He didn't need you. He wanted you. Does a father need their child to live? No. Does a son 
neither father. Yes, they need it for survival. God is the father. He doesn't need us. But he wants us. He wants us. We don't bring much to the table. We bring negative to the table, actually. We bring our flesh. And we bring our sins. And he changes all that. Sorry, but um, breathe that in. He wants you, He wants you. Let me say it louder one more time. He wants you. It's because some of you have just thought your whole life. Nah. I, I, this is, I was in the same boat. I'm here, God. I know you need me. Uh, that's the only reason I'm here, because you need me. And you feel that weight of God needs you. This imaginary weight that you put on yourself, these imaginary chains you put on yourself, that God needs me. That... Oh, he just puts up with me because he needs me. You know how what like, if you're building a um a shed but you don't know how to do it and you invite like a crazy uncle over or something you don't want him there. You just need him. So you put up with him. That's what you think God does. He just puts up with you. God needed you he would re he would require your power to accomplish something which means he wouldn't be all powerful meaning he wouldn't be God the definition of God is not relying on anybody else that that's it God wants you so I've told you why he's so magnificent he's so magnificent but you want me to show you an example on where God is in the middle of the storm since you still don't believe me Paul and Silas two men in Acts chapter 16 around there these two men were praying over a demon-filled woman 
and Jewish leaders found out and they sent them to prison. They ordered them to be stripped, losing their sense of dignity, and beaten with metal rods. They were beaten so badly, according to scripture, that they were thrown into the cell. <coughs> Their feet were locked to the chains connected to the ground, and they could barely move. Let me tell you something. This is going to be an uncomfortable point. It's not even my notes, but I just thought of it. Should I? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Serving Jesus in this magnitude, praising him in this magnitude, having faith in this magnitude. Might end you up in the storm yes serving Jesus can get you in a storm serving Jesus can get you in a storm not just oh God's going to help me in the storm so it's going to be okay Jesus sometimes will walk you into a storm not just for character building to build you up as a person I can't think of the exact scripture, but it's somewhere in Mark, I believe. Please don't quote me. Oh, no. chapter something I believe sorry if it, the audio seems a little weird I went over my time but who cares just add another segment but um let's get back into it um Mark 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 come on so Jesus escorts you into your storm Here's a good example. After Jesus had done another miracle, because he's just that cool, um, after dividing the bread and fish, you know, just simple, extremely cool stuff, um, he was traveling, and um, with his disciples, and they were like, "Oh, this is pretty cool," and um. He said, he said, let's go out on our boats. And I want you to go out onto the um, water. And I'll meet you there, okay? Have have a good time. I'll meet you there. I promise. Uh, okay, Jesus. So they're really, they get really excited. And they go on the water. 
Jesus isn't with them, and they try to get to the other side. Then, one of the biggest storms comes in front of them. A physical storm. We've been talking a lot about emotional storms and storms of life. This was a physical. The waves were like six, seven feet high probably. Storm in the middle of the sea. Lightning. Hail. No, it's not that cold. I'm exaggerating. But it was raining really hard probably. A storm. And Jesus told them to go out into that. And all we see, they see, is Jesus walking on the water towards them. Peace, be still. The man that has the authority to tell the very peace to pause in its essence and be peaceful. He's king of peace. He reigns over the peace. He said, pause in this moment and be peaceful. And immediately, the storm disappears. Jesus excused the storm away, but he also knew the storm. Where God is omnipresent and goes on and on forever and all of eternity, he already was and is and is to come. He already knew this was going to happen, yet he still sent them out. Because he knew what was on the other side. It was Mark. Yeah. It was Mark. It was Mark. Whose role? A lot of the um, New Testament. And some very great scriptures. He knew the valuable asset on the other side of the storm. Jesus knows that after your storm, there's going to be something behind it. A precious jewel. Therefore, Paul and Silas did what any believer should do in that moment. They began to pray and sing hymns unto God, they began to worship. But then, ooh, that's a, that's a, I could do a whole entire sermon on that too. But then, the ground started to shake. The ground started to shake. The ground started to shake. There's something there. The ground was shaking in their scenario. they didn't know what to do. The ground was shaking because of their praise. You will 
literally shake the ground of society with your level of powerful praise. Your sacrificial praise will take you to a level where the ground shakes. And most pastors say this metaphorical. I'm not a pastor yet, but I believe... Your ground will shake. I have that level of faith in God. In a scenario where you truly need Him, the ground will shake. And immediately, the very next line, the chains began to break. Not just their chains. Not just Paul and Silas. The whole prison. Confined to one building. One area. Began to break. The area that you're in. You are in charge to sacrifice. Your praise. So that your chains break. And their chains break. You missed it. Your chains. When you sacrifice. Fall off. And others reap the benefits. And they can see God move. And they can see him work in you. They can see him work in you. Your future praise is going to break the chains. The story ends with literally everyone's chains off. It's not all about you anymore. Jesus breaks your chains. Your worship gives God room to move and give him the glory. But the glory isn't built for you. It's what he's worthy of. The worship is showing him his worth to you. But the worthiness never ends. He is worthy of it all because he is it all. He is I am. He is I am. Because he is I am. He is forever worthy of your worth-ship, your relationship with God's worth. Why do you think angels and heavenly places lie in his presence since the beginning, before the beginning, crying out? Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Blessing and power, glory and power unto the Lamb who sits on the throne. Blessing and power, glory and power unto the Lamb who sits on the throne. His name is so holy in its pure state that some cultures and some Jews rarely allow themselves to speak it. It's so holy that it has multiple names. 
Yahshua, Jireh, Elohim, El Shaddai, Abba, Adonai, so pure and set apart that they praise him forever. So how come you can't praise him? He knows your pain. He knows your sacrifice because he is the sacrifice. We cry out worthy is the lamb because he is the lamb. He's worthy of your circumstance because of his sacrifice. So spotless in his love that he put all of your stains and sins covering all of his majesty every part of everything could cry out in his worth forever and ever and ever and ever and he would still be set apart and holy still pure so holy This level of worship I speak of isn't to try to impress your friends. Make God your Jehovah Nasi, your miracle. Make him more real than your next breath. I say this all the time at Inside Out. Make him more real than your next breath. Make him more real than the chair I sit. Wow. Make him more real than the very oxygen you breathe in. God is about to shake up the world. The fire is coming. It starts with you. He doesn't need you for it, but it starts with you for this to happen. It's a requirement, but it's not necessary. But boy, is it worth it. Your sacrificial praise isn't always going to be pretty. Jesus, the one we worship forever, as I've said, came down in an unpretty situation of birth to become a carpenter. And a carpenter gets nailed to a tree. Nailed to a tree. Wow. You can be the bread someone needs. Show them the meat of your sacrifice. 
That's what God was. He was the bread. He was the water. He was everything. He was the meat. His Latin name, Jesus, brings back to two words. Earth, pig, meat, sacrifice. And you're sacrifice in your spiritual life showing everyone your fruit of the spirit is kind of like the lettuce on a sandwich this perfectly wraps into your sacrifice because one of the fruit of the spirit is long suffering Suffer long, so they suffer short. Are you ready? Let me say this again. I didn't cover all my notes, but this... Are you ready? Are you ready to get to this level of worship? Are you ready for the chains of depression and anxiety to fall? Worship without limitations. Take the limits that you put on God clean off. Freeing God of limitation of limitation is the most powerful thing you can do. That's why David prayed. He said, you are in control. I am your servant and I am listening and I am willing to do what you ask because you first sacrificed what if we worship God this is where it gets elevated completely out of the normal level and out of the normal setting to exceed the norm beyond the next level even and we started worshiping God in our storm like the revival and the sunshine is already there but actually waiting for it still if you worship God and not stop until physically God shows up In Revelation it says, In the end time, God will pour out His Spirit. Let you be the start of the revival that pours out His Spirit to start the coming of Him. I'm not joking. If we are so strong in our faith in God, then why can't we believe for God and that level of faith? we're so strong in our level of faith with God, then why can't we have faith bigger than the characters in the Bible? They're not just stories. They're reality. Let's make them bigger than our reality. Let's make our reality bigger than theirs. Let's unlock the levels of faith we can accomplish. Like Noah's Ark. I mean, praise God until he stands up. 
a level of faith and worship that we could actually walk on water. And multiply bread and make the blind see. People say, no, that's only for Jesus. Let me tell you why it's only been done by Jesus, mostly. It's because Jesus knew the level of authority and he had so much faith in his father. For example, if you have a father and he says, can you, you can use this remote to control the TV, watch Netflix, watch Disney Plus, and it works. Having that, knowing your father. You would use that remote. Because Jesus' unfailing trust in God, he picks up the remote. Jesus knows his father is trustworthy and he knows he can't lie and he has the power to control everything. But God has given us the same power for he is our father as well. We can't walk about the boat onto the water because we won't step out of the unnatural because it looks like in society when you walk out of faith it looks like you're stepping down when you're stepping out when you step out in faith and worship on another level friends may call you crazy even but it's not crazy it's crazy in faith it's crazy faith so at this point you may ask why why praise God when you're in the fire because he's in the fire with you in the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they're all thrown into a fire literally for not bowing down to a false god after the guards looked in the fire, they looked down and saw all three of them walking around the fire untouched by the flames. But there was another in the fire. You may be in the hardest situation of your life where you can't breathe, but there's another in the fire. It's not me. It's not that cool motivational pastor you see on the internet. It's Jesus. You may not even see him. Even though they did. They walked untouched by the flames. There was a fourth, the son of God in the fire. The king who threw them in the fire, who said he was God, said, Bless the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I say to you, worship God in the fire. Worship God in the storm. Worship God in the sunshine. 
and to worship God in the middle of it all. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. This was your host, Jameer Waters, wishing you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Easter, whenever you're listening to this, and a Happy Holidays, but a Merry Christmas to you all. Enjoy your holiday, and breathe this word in, and to make it more real than the breath you take. Merry Christmas. Love you guys.